Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of Bethlehem a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Today's date is December 24th, the day before Christmas. We call it Christmas Eve. Tomorrow is December 25th. We call it Christmas Day. In many ways, every day of our life is either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. We live a life needing a Savior or we live a life with a Savior. For just a few minutes, I want you to see and consider which day it is for you. Is it Christmas Eve in your heart or is it Christmas Day in your heart? Will you walk out of here with your heart living like it's Christmas Eve or will you walk out of here living like it's Christmas Day? Do you need a Savior or do you have a Savior in which to rejoice. Now for those of you who are new here for the first time, my name is Carlos and I pastor here at Watkinsville and I would love to know you before you leave. It's a special weekend for us as we celebrate the birth of our Savior with Christmas Eve services today and it's a day all day long that brings a lot of guests and family and friends to the room and we'll meet again in here at 10.30. We'll meet tonight at 5. And if you are here visiting with family or friends after the service this morning, please say hello. And I would love to be able to meet you before you get away. I want to take just a few moments to speak to you about this idea of Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Like so many years 
as you study the Christmas story, there is, for me, one verse, oftentimes one phrase, and even sometimes specifically one word that just captures my attention. When you came this morning, if someone had asked you on your way here, what verses do you think we'll hear this morning? Those of you that have been around church world long enough would have been a pretty smart guesser to say somewhere we're going to hear Luke chapter 2. And it is a very familiar passage for us when it comes to celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And so looking at that verse, those verses this morning from Luke chapter 2, there is a singular verse that has really captured my attention out of that story. And in years past, it's been maybe Luke 2.10. This year, it's Luke 2.11. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11, it says, uh, Today is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Today in the city of David, unto you is born a Savior. He's Christ the Lord. In these verses, we have the mention of prophecy fulfilled. We have the mention of promises made and promises kept. And I want you to think for just a few moments here about the problem and the promise related to Christmas. We say that in a lot of ways we live either in our life like it's Christmas Eve or we live like it's Christmas Day. I would uh, offer to you this morning that in many ways the Old Testament is Christmas Eve and the New Testament is Christmas Day. We talk about Christmas, I'm thinking specifically of the celebration of the birth of Jesus. You add the word Eve to that and you're thinking about any event that happens just prior, that waits just prior to the event. And so today when we think about Christmas Eve, what we have in the Old Testament is, is the story before the birth of Jesus Christ. And what we have in the New Testament is the story of life after the birth of Jesus Christ. The problem and the promise in the Old Testament. The problem solved and the promise kept in the New Testament. Let's talk just a moment about the problem. When you think about the problem that we have is, that's told to us in the Old Testament, it goes back to one story. And that one story happens at the very beginning of the Bible. And that one story that happens at the very beginning of Scripture is a story that really is echoed again and again throughout the Old Testament. It's the story that happens in Genesis chapter 3. God has created all that we know of creation. He's created man and woman. He's created Adam and Eve. And in Genesis chapter 3, you have this account where rules have been set. Commands have been given. Do you remember those rules? Do you remember those commands? That There was lots of freedom. You can enjoy the garden. You can enjoy all of this creation. But here's... One rule, Adam and Eve. Here's one command, Adam and Eve. And he says, you shall not eat, you shall not eat 
in chapter 3 of Genesis of any tree. You, you shall not eat of the tree of life. You shall not eat the fruit of the tree. Now the enemy comes and tempts. And he says, starts questioning and working his plan of deception. And then Eve takes the fruit. Adam takes the fruit. And in that moment that escalated so fast, they stand there with their eyes open. They find themselves there knowing that they have broken the rules, they've broken the commands, and they take fig leaves. And they weave those fig leaves together and they cover themselves. And then a very interesting passage, of, uh, a verse in Genesis chapter 3, it says, Then when they heard God walking in the garden, they hid themselves. And you see this story in the beginning of Genesis chapter 3 become replayed over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament where there were rules and there were commands and then there was trespasses. There was what we call sin. They had a problem. And just like what sin does, it happened there in the garden. It separated them from God. It created a sense of needing to hide something, some sense of shame and some sense of guilt. And they had a problem that they could not solve. You ever had a problem like that? You ever had a problem that created shame for you, maybe fear for you, a problem that put you in a position to where you wanted to hide something? I had a story, that story happened in my life that really just became the story that in a lot of ways you could say that's kind of... Um, life that was happening in my, my world. It, it affected my life for a long, long time. It was interesting. As a kid in single-digit age, about, I'm, I'm guessing, I, I probably could confirm it with some people, but I don't really want to visit it too much. And, and I, but somewhere around seven, eight, nine years old, I had ventured into my parents master bedroom and into my parents restroom standing there as a little kid just on an adventure with nobody else around I spotted just over on the side of the bathroom there probably what was in every dad and mom's bathroom a box of matches and uh, I saw those matches and the rules and the commands started replaying in my mind you shall not, now they didn't use shall not, but it, it was there. Do not play with what? Matches. Don't play with matches. Carlos, don't play with matches. Don't play with matches. And I think that was echoing in my mind when I spotted those matches. And, I, and just in a moment's time, I reached over and I started looking at those matches. And then I opened that box of matches and I remember just holding that match and just standing there and looking at those matches. And I struck a match. And I'm just standing there, probably still hearing, don't play with matches. Don't play with matches. And instead of that match going out like it just did, I caught in the corner of my eye a garbage can sitting beside the toilet. 
And that garbage can was completely full of toilet paper. And without blowing that match out, I just dropped that match right in the garbage can. And I'm telling you, like charcoal soaked with lighter fluid, the situation escalated fast. And I'm standing there, and perhaps quicker than Carlos Sibley has ever moved, I grabbed that garbage can and I threw it into the shower and I turned the shower on and I filled that bucket up with water and the fire was out. But I had a problem. And stupid stuff will make you do stupid things. And I took that garbage can and I walked it into my parents' walk-in closet and I took it to the very depths back corner of that closet and I took old clothes and I buried that garbage can in the back of my parents walk-in closet and days passed I don't remember a lot that happened after that but I know this I had a problem and I hid it and I was embarrassed and I was ashamed and I was scared. I don't know if God gave that story in my life to be able to preach it this morning or not, but I'm telling you, when I think about the story of Genesis and how Adam and Eve took that fruit and ate that fruit and then tried to cover over their problem and they hid themselves. It is a picture and echo of what happens in every one of our lives. And if you're living today here like it's Christmas Eve, some of you may have some things that you've hidden. You may have some things that you've tried to just bury. Some things that you've never dealt with. Some things that you've never taken before God. And in your life today, there's a problem. There's sin in your life. Well, just like God does over and over and over again in Scripture, He comes for us. And in Genesis chapter 3, He came for them. And He called out to them. And he asked them, where are you? And you get in this account between God and Adam and Eve to a point to where he begins to make a promise. And he begins to make a promise on how he will deal with our problem of sin. How he will deal with our problem of sin. And it says in verse 14 of Genesis chapter 3, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat. And all the days of your life I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And then there in this last part of verse 15 is this first hint of a coming victorious Savior from our sin. 
He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That reference there, you shall bruise his heel, is an indication of what the effect of the serpent had been, the effect of the enemy had been. He had wounded humanity. But the promise of God would be is that there would be a day where the enemy's head would be crushed. And it was a promise that God would make a way of salvation. And it's repeated again. Isaiah chapter 53 says, All of us have a problem. It says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Apostle Paul would echo those words in Romans 3, 23, when he would say, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That problem, that sin separated, but this promise from God first hinted at in Genesis chapter 3, repeated again in Isaiah 9, 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah 53, 6, in that verse that says, All we like sheep have gone astray, each has turned to his own way. That verse finishes with this promise. He has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And then more evidence of a promise to come. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, the very place where Jesus would be born, says to you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. In the Old Testament, the problem was sin. In the Old Testament, the promise was one of salvation. Are you living today like it's Christmas Eve? What do we do with our problem of sin? Why is Christmas Day such a celebration? Christmas Day is such a celebration because when you turn to the New Testament, the problem is solved and the promise is kept. Amen. The New Testament, like Christmas Day, bursting on the scene after 400 years of just silence from God. We have this account that William quoted for us just a moment ago. The census that came together, the census that brought Joseph and Mary to the city of Bethlehem. And all at the same time, the problem is solved and the promise is kept. All in one birth. Today is born in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Today, one day things were bad and awful and there was separation from God. There's, there's this problem to deal with. The next day, a Savior has been provided. The King has come. A Redeemer has come. When he mentions in this verse, in the city of David, it was definitely to make the tie to the promises that had been made in the Old Testament Scripture. When he mentions a Savior who is Christ the Lord was a reminder to us that he was coming to solve something. Think about that. Jesus was, his death was so special because his life 
came to solve something. He came as a, a savior, which means a rescuer, a redeemer. All of us sometime in our life stand in a place where we need someone to rescue us. We need someone to redeem us. In a world of people living Christmas Eve in their heart woke up to the possibility of living the rest of eternity with Christmas Day in their heart. Before Jesus, we have a life of sin, unforgiven sin, guilt and shame and separation and the promise of an eternity of death separated from God. But because of the birth of Jesus Christ, there is this promise kept that makes it possible for you and me to have forgiveness of all our sin, of all, if we want to call it, iniquity or a problem, breaking of commands, breaking of rules, falling short of the glory of God. Because of the birth of Jesus Christ, we have the hope of forgiveness and peace and reconciliation and redemption. Today, in your home, you know already it's Christmas Eve. And tomorrow morning, you'll wake and you'll know that it is Christmas Day in your home. And I feel that it's critical this morning. More than it being Christmas Day in our home, it's important for it to, us to know for sure this Christmas Day in our hearts. How do you move from Christmas Eve to Christmas Day? Just like in this passage of Scripture, you move from Christmas Eve to Christmas Day because there's a birth. And today, for you to move from Christmas Eve to Christmas Day would be for Jesus Christ to be born in your heart today. Think about it right now. You're going to walk out of this room in a place where you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Or you're going to walk out of this room rejoicing, rejoicing because you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Which will it be today? Will you receive him? Will you rejoice in him? How can he be born in your heart today? How can your sins be forgiven? God keeps his promises. And the way we're forgiven, the way we're reconciled, the way we're re redeemed is to call out to Jesus Christ. Ask him to forgive you. Turn from your sin. Lay down all the efforts that you've made to work your way back to him. And receive the gift of salvation. How strange would it be for us to come to Christmas a year from now. And the gifts that were placed there were still there, unwrapped, unreceived. That would be strange. 
And the invitation today is for you to receive the gift. For you to open it up and invite Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your personal Savior. Walk away from this room living Christmas Day every day for the rest of your life into eternity. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Trust Him right now. Receive Him right now. And if you have, rejoice in Him right now. Let's stand. Let's sing. Sing all your people on mighty Sing every creature of God come as his name. For he is good, for he is good. He was born to conquer the
and praise, rejoice. They, I want to ask you at this time to find your candles. And we in this room today will symbolize what Jesus has done in coming to this dark world and addressing our problem of sin, making a way for us to be reconciled to God. It's a verse in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. When by grace through faith we are saved, we move from Christmas Eve to Christmas Day. We move from the darkness to the light. Today we're going to sing about his birth and the old traditional hymn of Silent Night. People will come to you and light the candles and you pass it on to the person around you and will light up this room symbolizing what Jesus Christ has done in each of our hearts and what he's done for our world. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. Let's sing.